welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're welcoming back Joe Slack, a professional board game designer with multiple games that have been published. He's a best-selling author and has taught game design and development at Wilfrid Laurier University. He also runs the Board Game Design Course, an online course for new game designers. Joe, welcome back to The Binge. How are you doing, man? Hey, James. Doing well. Great to uh, be chatting with you again. It is great to have you here. Uh, I know I've been kind of uh, pinging you over the past couple of weeks saying, when are you coming back on the show? I want you back <laughs> on the show, man. We, we didn't cover everything off. So. It's all right. We found a time. <laughs> exactly. So for people that are listening or watching um, the, uh, the book that I just talked about, The Board Game Designer's Guide, this is a great uh, guide. I read it myself. Uh, very good read. It's got a great forward by uh, Jamie Stegmeier on it. It's, it. It is a great book. We covered most of that in uh, in our last episode. So if people want kind of the overview of that, again, a great interview. Uh, we did that back at the beginning of July. It's actually tagged as episode 11. So if you go to boardgamebinge.com, click on the past episodes tab, scroll down until you get to episode 11, and you can see the last interview we did with Joe. But in this episode, we're going to cover off some other stuff. So Joe, your course, the board game design course, can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So it's it's kind of like a board game design 101. It really takes you from how to generate ideas for your game, or if you're already at that stage, you have an idea and you've been playtesting, it takes you right through that, how to uh, envision your game so you know how to get the right feedback, how to playtest your game, the right questions to ask, what you're looking for, takes you right through blind playtesting and writing rules. And basically from almost from start to finish, uh, designing and developing your game. And then at the end, it helps guide you towards what's the best decision for you, self-publishing or pitching to a publisher, because the, the right answer, it's, it's different for everybody. So yeah. it kind of asks those questions like, what are you really interested in, in doing with this game? Are you interested in running your own business? What's, what's important to you so that you can make that right decision for you, which can change over time. I mean, this game you're working on now, could be one that you want to self-publish and then later you want to pitch or vice versa. It, it can change, but it kind of gives you the perspective of, you know, what, what's best for you, at least at this time. And what do you typically see? Like in the people that have been part of this group with you and part of this course, um, are you seeing it way heavier one way or the other in terms of people wanting to self-publish versus going with, uh, with a publisher? It's interesting. It, it, it varies quite a bit. I think a lot of people initially, they may, may think that they want to self-publish and then they realize exactly how much work goes into that and, and how much of a challenge it is. And I mean, anybody can put a game up on Kickstarter. The barrier has been really dropped, a really low point of entry. Yeah. However, you're also competing against Simon and Queen Games and like all these other bigger publishers who have a lot more money and a lot more following and that. So uh, it may look easy, but unless you really in, invest a lot and market your game and make it look really, really good and put some money behind it, you know, you're, you're probably not going to have that much success. It's going to be that much harder. So I do see a lot more students kind of look at these, these things and, and decide, and some of them go right ahead and they say, you know what, I want to maintain artistic control over this. I want to be able to do it the way I want to. Yeah. I'm going to do all that and go forward with it. But a lot of others, you know, they may already have the idea that, you know, they, they want to pitch, they're more comfortable, they want to focus their time on designing games. And some people kind of, you know, sway more in that direction after they realize how much work it actually is as well. Um, so yeah, it's just really up to the individual. But yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, an interesting mix. Yeah, it's kind of like creative versus business, right? So if you want, if you're into the creative side, 
then stream A for you is go find a publisher, take your game and take it from here. Uh, and yeah, you're going to have to give up some creative control, right? Because uh, once you sign over, you're kind of signing over the, the rights um, or licensing the rights, I guess, for depending on how that contract's set up. Or stream B is self-publish. Um, but that's now getting, you're, you're, you're an entrepreneur, right? You're going the business route. And mm-hmm. do you get into the business route at all? Like you get into the nuance of that in this course at all, or? Uh, we don't go that far into it really, because it, that is a, like a whole other ballgame. That could be a whole other course. And it's one I've thought I might eventually um, create, but, f- but for now, I mean, that really gets to the, to that point. I do have another course that's more on the, the pitching route. Um, mm-hmm. I actually just wrapped up enrollment for, um, for the relaunch of that course is the creation to publication program. And that really takes you from the stage where your game is done or mostly done. You're just kind of making those final tweaks, taking it from there, making it, uh, look like a good product, how to pitch to publishers, uh, how to find the right publishers, how to create sell sheets, pitch uh, your elevator pitch, uh, an overview video, how to find the right publisher, go through um, the, the process of getting signed, understanding what contracts are all about, what to look for, what to put in your contract, what else you can ask for and negotiate. And then once your game's signed, you know, when most people think, oh, okay, I'm done, like, that, you know, I've, I've made it. Uh, you know, all the other little things that go into that, like, you know, helping out with the rule books and some promotion and stuff, depending on you know, like the size of the publisher and that type of thing. Yeah, I think in general, if, if you're, if I know even myself, if I'm going to interview a person uh, to do with a game, I kind of want to interview the person that made the game. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do have the publishers and those great interviews as well, because it comes at a different angle of, okay, how are they commercializing the game? But it's good to have that initial person that created the game as part of that, that circuit. And I think that is an expectation people need to set themselves up for that. You know, it's not just hand it off and walk away. There's an expectation. You're probably going to be participative in that process of um, talking about the game and promoting it and getting people excited about it, I think. Eh? Yeah. And most publishers, they're, they're pretty open. Uh, you know, when you ask them the question, you know, how involved you want me to be when you're the designer, yeah. they say as, as, as involved as you want to be, I mean, to an extent, of course, um, you're not going to make all the decisions. They, they have the ultimate say in the decisions, but yeah. you know, if, if you want to get involved, they're glad to have you, you know, run play tests, um, do demos at conventions, um, promote uh, the game in, in various forums yourself, help out with the Kickstarter, like answering some questions. Cause it's kind of cool to hear really from the designer. If there's questions specific from the designer for, ex- or about the design of the game for specifics, um, you know, they can answer those questions maybe a bit better. Um, and that also gives you a little bit of a lead into the industry and, and the, ki- the self-publishing side or the publishing side of it. So that if one day you want to do that, you have a little bit more of a say. And, and I've heard some other designers actually say, um, you know, I'm willing to take maybe a little bit less in the contractor. I'm not going to go negotiate for a little bit more, but in, in exchange, I want to get, I want to be more involved. I want to learn this process because one day I might want to self-publish. And are you open to that? And a lot of publishers are like, sure. Yeah. You want to help out pitch in more, especially if I'm a small publisher, you know, one, one man or one woman shop or a very small publisher, I can use all the extra help I can get. So yeah, if you want to do rules reviews and demoing and things like that, uh, help out with the Kickstarter for sure. Yeah. So do your two courses, do they, do they overlap? Like how much overlap is there between the two? And would you recommend somebody do the first one and then the second one, or can you do the second one without the first one? Or how do those, how do they interact with each other? I'd say it really depends on what stage you're at. I mean, if you're at a fairly early stage, I definitely recommend going through the board game design course, the 101 course. So you learn all the whole process of, you know, designing a great game and, and what goes into that and how to play test it and make it better and write rules and everything. Uh, but if you're coming in at a later stage, you've got a game that, you know, you've been working on for a while, you're pretty confident about, 
um, but you're just not sure how to find a publisher or if you've reached out and tried to find publishers and you just don't really know what the process is, you don't know how to get your foot in the door, then the creation to publication program is, is a much better start. And I mean, one does lead into the other quite nicely because by the end of the first course, you've got a game, hopefully if you've been working on it while you're doing the course, um, that's at a pretty good stage and, and you're comfortable with it. And if that's the route you want to go, then it's a natural progression to learn, okay, how do I go about pitching it and finding that right publisher for you? And as part of the, so the second course of the pitching, do you do any kind of role-playing at all in that course so that people can actually pitch to you and then you'll kind of critique their pitch and then give them some feedback on, like once they get up to that actual stage of creating kind of that final pitch? Yeah, I think that's a, a definitely important thing. And that's something I always put in my courses because I mean, you can sign up for various courses on different topics from you know Udemy and, and other places, but it's basically just like the content. Uh, so whatever I always run a course, I always make sure there's a lot of interaction. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have uh, twice monthly calls with all members from, from both courses where they can ask questions. If they want feedback on something, they can get it there. Um, I've got a private Facebook group as well. So people can post things there, get reactions from myself and from other designers, other students there. And as well with the course, um, with the creation publication program, I've got a whole session uh, dedicated just to pitches. So if you have an elevator pitch or if you have a sell sheet, uh, you can bring it to that session and I will look through it and we'll critique it and I'll get other feedback from other people there as well. Yeah, but you'll get that whole you know uh, process of feedback. Here, here's what's really good about it. Here's what could be improved. Here's some suggestions so they can make that better and it'll look better for the, the publisher they're going to pitch to. So you actually have like, do you, do you actually template this out for them? So somebody comes in raw and they're like, I have no idea even how to create, like even to start pitching this game. Like, do you have it like in a template to say, you know, oh yeah, this step one, step two, step three, all the way. And then once they get that finalized and they actually have a pitch. Yep. I mean, every week we go through a different thing, talking about um, your game as a product, what publishers are looking for, how to find publishers, how to do a sell sheet, how to do a video, how to do the elevator pitch, um, how to, you know, where, where and how to find publishers and then contracts. So like every week is a different topic about like a very relevant, important thing, but I also make it very actionable. So at the end of one week, it might be, um, you know, look at your game and try to find, you know, what the hook of the game is, write that out. If it doesn't have one, like look deeper and try to find that out or, or build something else in that's a little bit more of a hook and then how to do your sell sheet and that type of thing. Um, so every, at the end of every session, every week, you've got something um, tangible to work on. It's not just, you know, theory and that kind of thing. It's okay. I want you to go and do this specific thing next. And then I, I don't just tell them, but I share other things with them. I share um, templates of, uh, well, not templates, but actual examples of good sell sheets uh, that have mm -hmm. been very effective. Um, an actual sample contract, like here's what an actual sample contract would look like. And then um, ha having them ask questions about like, what, what, what's, what are good things in the contract? What can we negotiate in the contract? What are the things to look for? Uh, what are the things to look out for, to watch out for that you want to avoid and that kind of thing. So they have very specific things that they learn and then they take action on and can get feedback on. So what are some of the things you can negotiate in a contract? <laughs> uh, well, obviously the royalty giving away rate. the entire course. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm always open to talk about, uh, you know, things of importance. So like royalty rate, obviously that's like the bigger one. How much do you get paid? And is it based on, you know, the retail for, uh, price or the MSR, MSRP, uh, sorry, the MSRP versus the wholesale price. Um, how many copies of the game you, you get like personal copies. Um, uh, is there an advance? Is there no advance um, uh, beforehand? Um, what about rights uh, for like a digital version of the game? What about mm -hmm. rights worldwide 
uh, what what kind of cut you get on that if the publisher decides i'm going to go uh, you know work with a publisher in germany and get the german version made what do you get from that do you get nothing do you get a portion do you have to split it with the publisher um, if you're doing kickstarter can you get a slightly higher rate on the kickstarter because generally there's um, more markup like there's more there's mm -hmm. more profit margin that type of thing so there's there's lots of those little things that you can negotiate for sure and and if you want to buy extra copies can you get them at the wholesale price is there any limit on those that kind of thing because you know, you as the designer might want to be able to give them to, you know, different board game cafes, do demos at events, do um, prizes, you know, like the, the play and win kind of events and things like that, or, or mm -hmm. just sell them yourself. And, and you have to negotiate that too, because you don't want to be competing with your publisher. They need to make money too. But, you know, maybe if it's at a convention, they're not also attending and selling the game, you can sell it there as well. If you choose, if you have a small booth or, or, or whatever the case may be. So there's lots of little things you can negotiate well beyond the royalty rate. Is there, do you ever see cases where a publisher doesn't want uh, the the game developer or designer to, to have copies of the game? I haven't seen it myself. Um, I mean, they may ask, you know, why, or they may have conditions in there. Mm -hmm. Like I said about, you know, not being able to sell it um, at the same conventions they're appearing at or a limitation on where it can be sold, um, like directly from your website, but maybe they don't want you putting them up on Amazon, for example, and, and yeah. competing with them or something like that. So maybe conditions on where you can do it. And for some designers too, it's just, I want to have some extra copies to give away to, you know, some of the play testers that played my game to say thank you or yep. to a family member or as a gift or, you know, a keepsake. I want to have a couple on my shelf and then I can give them away. Or, you know, if I want to work on an expansion for it or something like that, then I have the components there and I can work on it, all those types of things. Yeah. I think uh, certainly uh, bastardizing the price would be the biggest concern I would think from that publisher, right? So they would want to make sure they have in writing somewhere that you're not going to go and take these copies that you're getting at a very, very low, maybe even at cost and going off and, uh, you know, undercutting them in the same marketplace. Cause that doesn't really help anybody. Right. And it kind of impacts your success as well. Cause you're getting royalties off of the su success of that game. Mm -hmm. If they have trouble selling to a retailer, cause the retailer sees it at a price that's like $10 lower that you've, you've sold somewhere than the publisher's offering, then that can run into some issues and so forth. Right. So. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't see that happening in many cases because I, I think they would start to ask the designer, well, how, why do you why do you keep at ordering more and more copies or, you know, notice going through that. a lot but, of copies. <laughs> but I mean, if, if you're, you know, unless you're a, a hugely known designer and even so, I don't think a lot of them have like websites that have a, like a huge, huge presence because yeah. people think about the games. I don't think you're going to be selling, you know, hundreds of copies a week because people just you know, they won't know about your website necessarily. They, they know Amazon, they know their local game stores and that kind of thing. So they're not going to yeah. be looking for you. So it would be really hard to sell them anyways, probably in, in huge quantities. But yeah, I mean, that's a perfectly valid concern for a publisher. Do you cover in this course, because um, there's a difference between finding publishers and breaking through <laughs> to publishers, right? Mm -hmm. So actually getting them to respond uh, to your contact. Is there a certain uh, like tips and tricks that you go through that say, you know, this is how you actually get them to engage you or is there, is it never really an issue? Yeah, absolutely. I, I talk about that. There's, there are those two stages. It's finding the right publishers. So identifying the right ones, you don't want to pitch a, a party game to a war game main, uh, publisher or something mm, like that. Right. You want to, you want to make the good, you want to make a good match. Uh, somebody that's going to compliment somebody that's accepting submissions too, because not all publishers do. And at some points they may vary. Maybe they've, you know, got too many in their queue and they stop accepting. Uh, so, I mean, there's those stages of finding the right publisher, but then there is, how do you approach them? And, you know, I share also in the course um, templates of 
uh, or, or samples of emails that I've actually sent to publishers hmm. that have been effective, you know, how, how to word it. Um, and, you know, talking about making it personalized. You, I mean, you can use a template, but you have to adjust. You don't want to just send a form message to 10 different publishers that look exactly the same. I mean, there's certain things you want to mention. Like if you love their games, if you have a bunch of them on your shelf, you want to mention that like, oh, I'm a huge fa fan of Century Spice Road. And I think this would really work well with your other games in your catalog. Like it's, it's really important to, to talk about how your game would fit with them why you want to work with them because, you know, they make great games or, you know, your game is maybe, you know, it needs really good treatment. It needs, it needs to look really good and it's going to have really amazing table presence. And maybe their, their games, they're not, maybe it's, you know, Stonemeyer and, you know, they have a history, they have a reputation for making games with really nice um, high quality components. So yeah. you can say, you know, this game really needs that kind of treatment. And I know that you would do that really well. Um, you know, all these different little things to, to kind of, you know, get your foot in the door to, to show that I'm not just, you know, spreading this out to, you know, 20 different publishers sending them the same message. I want to speak to you. I would love to work with you for these particular reasons. There's, there's so many little things in there that you can put in your email to negotiate it better. And also a lot of it is just, you know, following what they're asking for, not just, you know, sending them a prototype <laughs> unasked, unsolicited, or, or, you know, just sending them a pitch, uh, not even knowing if they take it. So, you know, there, there's lots of little questions you can ask there in, in different approaches. Yeah, because my, my perspective going in would be that the market's fairly saturated and that most of these publishers are, are just drowning in submissions. Mm -hmm. So how, how does somebody break through with that? Like, or is that just a misconception? No, it's, it's totally valid. I mean, most publishers you speak to, they say we receive hundreds, if not a thousand or more submissions in a year. And it's a lot to look through. I mean, some, they can look at it right away and say, that's it's not going to be a good fit. It's not going to be a good fit, but um, you know, they have to take their time to look through them all. And, and yours has to stand out. It's kind of like a resume, you know, it's, it's your first step in the door. So you need to show something on, you know, your sell sheet, if that's the first thing or their pitch or your pitch to them that makes your game stand out. What, you know, how is this different than anything out there that's a little bit innovative that they haven't seen? Is there some kind of table presence? Is there some kind of look to it, some kind of theme? Like you have to figure out what your hook is and allow them to see that right away and how it would fit well with the rest of their games in their catalog. I think that's, that's the biggest thing and not just necessarily shotgunning it and throwing your game out to 20, 30, 40 publishers that, you know, are not a good connection. You're better off narrowing it down to five, maybe 10 publishers for that game saying, these are the best fit and saying, okay, this is the one I'd really love to work with. Let's start with them first, tailor the message to them and show them how it would be a good fit to them. And then the other, you know, maybe the other five, see what their approach is or see what their response is. If you don't hear back or they're not interested, then you follow up with, you know, number six through 10 on your list kind of thing. What kind of advice have you, um, had to uh, share with some of your students that have come to you with maybe a, either a hook that's just not a super strong hook. Like, are, are you upfront and brutally honest and saying, Hey, you know what, uh, from what I'm seeing here, uh, I'm not sure it's the strongest hook, you know, maybe you should rework this a bit or how do you approach that? Cause it's a very delicate situation, right? Like the, you're, you're, you're dealing with people's creations. Obviously they're taking your course cause they want help and they want to learn but there still is that uh, the element of um, kind of protectionism over things you've created. How do you how do you work that balance? Yeah, absolutely, and that, it's a tough thing to do. It's it's just like giving feedback at a you know playtesting session. You you know you have to uh, you want to give honest, 
helpful feedback that's going to make the game better, just like it's going to make, you know, the sell sheet and the pitch yeah. better without totally, you know, ripping them apart or, 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 you know, saying this is, this is terrible or whatnot. Cause there's, there's always something good. So I try to focus on, you know, what, what's done really well. Like, okay, you, you've been very clear about, you know, your components, um, your font that you use is, is very good, very legible. Um, I like the layout of these things. Here's what I would do to make this even better. So you try to focus on, you know, what they've done well. So there's, you know, some positives and then some, some suggestions of other things they could do well. Um, other things they want to highlight, like you said, if the hook is just not there, you just say, you know, especially if you know the game a little bit, like going through the course, I get to see the the designer's game progress and I hear a little bit about the game. I might even get a chance to play test it at an event or something like that. So yeah. especially if I know a little bit about it, um, actually I was, I was reviewing um, uh, somebody I mentored uh, before their sell sheet and um, just today, and I was looking at their sell sheet and I was focusing on the, you know, here's some, some things I really liked about it, but I said, you know, you got a great game here and you know you mentioned something very small here but that's really the big hook like um if 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 this were my game like i i'd want to you know put that up front i'd say um you're you're underselling it like this is a really good thing like he has a game that's it's a 4x game that plays under an hour like okay that's that's different that's a hook right because most 4x games are these big expansive things that you play over yeah. a course of hours like if somebody wants that experience uh, can, uh distill down in less than 60 minutes I mean, that's your selling point. So I said, you know, focus on that. That should be your tagline right under your under your headline. So it's more of just bringing out that thing. Or if they haven't mentioned something that I know about the game that's really cool, it's saying like, why haven't you mentioned that? Like that, that's such a cool thing about your game. Or, or I just try to ask them, you know, what are players saying? What's the thing that makes them say, oh, this is really fun or, or that they really comment on or the, the, that moment that they laugh about, that kind of thing find what that is and put more of that in there. Like as a publisher, if I was a publisher for it or looking at this sheet, I would want to see something that makes it stand out. So find what that is or kind of point them towards what that is and emphasize that. And also just more visuals. And sometimes it's just like a card is just too small. You can't even read the text. I'm like, instead of having like, you know, five of these small cards where you can't read any text, I mean, that's, that's not super helpful to me. But if I saw, you know, one, or I saw, you know, Here's what you do in the game. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. Oh, I can see the progression. I see what happens in the game. And you can yeah. talk about that and show some visuals, just maybe even part of the card. Um, so just making it more visual, um, explain how the game is played and just focus on you know the positives. What's going to really get the publisher interested? This industry's changed quite a bit with uh, COVID, right? So uh, in the past, even a year ago, you would have gone to a spiel or go to a local toy and game fair and that's all kind of gone out the window and it it's gone for some foreseeable time right like if i know here in canada we're both canadian i think you're canadian right yeah i am um so i mean here like the, there's nothing's going to be happening before the summer right um, and probably late summer at the at yeah. the earliest and i know part of the states are probably similar um like how how do how does this model change, or how do people adapt to get through to those uh, or find those um, publishers who you might see you know walk by you in an aisle at a, at a game show, whereas now you don't have that experience anymore. What's some of the advice you're offering people uh, in lieu of that? I'd say um, making your your game digital as, as much as it it seems kind of funny. Like, may, okay, tabletop yeah. games we play them on a table socially with other people around us. Okay, now I want you to turn that into more of a video game. It's not really a video game, but it's really digitizing your game. So uploading the assets and being able to play it on a platform. Um, March 2020, 
uh, tabletop simulator started to see a huge surge in sales oh, yeah. because everybody started we were like, oh, this this might be around for a while. Um, and people either, you know, had their licenses or or saw deals and and got on there. So it's probably the, the best platform because there's the most designers, the most people on there. Uh, so where you get a crowd, you're going to find a lot of other designers and a lot of opportunities to play test. So, I mean, that's the number one place. It's, it's getting your game uploaded digitally so you can play test with a lot of other designers. And the great thing about that is, I mean, there's, there's some ups, upsides and downsides to that. I mean, the downsides, you're, it's, you're not seeing their reactions and that kind of thing because you're focused on what the table, the table. Some mm -hmm. games don't work well. Like if there's a lot of negotiation and talking, it's, it's really hard to have that conversation and dexterity yeah. games don't work the same. Um, some, some games, if there's a lot of stuff on the table, it's really hard to see everything. You can zoom in and stuff, but it generally takes about 50 to hundred percent longer to play test a game. Um, so, I mean, there's some downsides, but the upsides are, I mean, whereas maybe in your community, uh, you got it once a week, once a month to do play testing at different events, play testing online, you could play test your game every single day of the week, yeah. daytime, nighttime. There's so many virtual and remote play testing groups that you can get in as much play testing as you want and your game can move ahead so much faster um, as long as you can commit the time uh, to getting on there. There's so many groups out there that it's it just has made that easier. And instead of, you know, the same five or 10 people that might show up at your local yeah. uh, board game cafe or whatnot, you're playing with people around the world. So you're going to get different perspectives, so many different people playing your game. It's a really good. And, and I know you you have a, a group as well. And before I get there, I just wanted to mention that uh, Tabletop Simulator. If you are a game designer, it's like a twenty dollars investment, right, to to get the the software. It is not super difficult. There's a lot of elements in it that are um, kind of like drag and drop or, or, or pre kind of fabricated. There are limitless YouTube videos explaining you step by step on how to actually set things up um, to get around kind of the quirkiness of it and allows you to prototype very fast, right? So you can iterate fast, faster than even uh, normally where you go and, okay, and then you need to change the file. I need to go cut out the, the things, resleeve the cards and so forth. Now I take that updated file and I just replace the file in Tabletop Simulator and, and it updates everything. Now you've got like 10 minutes later, you've got an updated game where that process might take longer. So playing the actual uh, play test takes a little bit longer, of course, because uh, again, you're in a digital format. But I think the iteration is a lot faster uh, using uh, using Tabletop Simulator. So let's talk really quickly about uh, your group. So I've actually participated in one of your groups. I thought it was awesome. So you've got all these different uh, lobbies kind of set up, a first come, first serve. I think there's like 10 lobbies. So somebody just, you just grab one, right? And uh, on Discord, that's your audio channel. And, and, uh, and you can have people join you and you send them a code to your game on Tabletop. And again, you got these strangers that are uh, trying your game out. What got you started? Is this something you were always doing or did I just recently find this out or like? Well, there, there's been a lot of other groups. Um, so I've, I've, you know, been joining in and doing things at Perspiel Online, sure. virtual playtesting, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I have, you know, quite a few followers um, like on my email list and, and courses and things like that. And I wanted to open up something, you know, that was for them as well. Because, um, you know, some people are sometimes a little reluctant to join in a group that they don't know. And I don't know what the etiquette is or is my game developed enough? So I wanted to really encourage people. You can come with your game at any stage or if your game's not ready yet, come on, learn Tabletop Simulator. We, you can you know, learn from other people, find out you know, how easy it is to, to get things set up, ask questions. Oh, how did you set this up? How did you do that kind of thing? Um, so I ran a couple kind of earlier in 2020 when this, you know, when everything started happening, um, but then got really busy with um, you know, a Kickstarter of my own, yeah. uh, virtual summit and, and all these other things. And I, I just, I, I, 
unfortunately couldn't commit to doing it. Um, but I've uh, started again, I think it was November, December, I started back up and I've, yeah, it was November and just started uh, setting up just once a month. There's a lot of other playtest groups that do one once a week, yep. um, but mine's on a Sunday and, you know, with family and other things, I can't necessarily commit to, you know, every single Sunday. That's a lot of time away. Uh, but I do it once a month. It's usually the second Sunday of the month, but it varies. Um, Perspiel Online was last month and Valentine's Day falls on it on the sun, uh, second <laughs> Sunday this month yeah. uh, coming up. So it's going to be the next one's going to be February 7th, actually very soon. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a great group. You can come in. It's like from 2 till 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Come and go as you please. Um, the golden rule is just, you know, if you've gotten a play test of your game, Make sure to play test other people's games. And it's just very open and welcoming for anybody of any level. And how do they find that? Like, how do they find out about this group or get linked into this group? Uh, well, the best way is to, to get on my email list. Um, okay. And then, you know, I always make announcements about them coming up and that kind of thing. So if you go to Board Game Design Course, um, you can join my email list. And when you do that, you actually um, will get a free guide uh, to play testing and especially helpful right now, how to find play testers and uh, find an audience for your game. And there's some uh, sections in there talking about how to do it online, talking about a lot of the virtual groups. You can do this in as well. So if you join the email list, um, you'll get my uh, weekly tips and you'll find out about uh, remote playtesting events that are happening and that kind of thing. And you can join the Discord and come in as you please to the events when you can. I think the key is uh, reciprocation, right? As you said, oh, you, know, yeah. you know, if you're, I'm going to play, if you're, they're going to play my game, make sure you reciprocate and play their game. And yeah. uh, you'll and be amazed how many people want to play. Yeah. yeah. And it's not always, you're going to play the same person's game. Like, you know, I might go to James's table and uh, I play James's game. And then, you know, maybe he has to uh, pop out a bit, you know, walk the dog or have dinner or something like that. And he comes yeah. back um, and, you know, then, um, you know, somebody else will play my game. So it's not always, you know, the same people you're going to rotate around and people are going to be in and out. But as long as you're putting in more time than, than you're taking from other people, because you're taking their time. So you want to make sure to give back at least as much. Yeah. So what's the next on deck? What's the next thing you're working on? You got so much going on. I'm sure there's something else that you've, you've imagined is still coming. Well, there's, there's always more games on the works and, and yeah. that type of thing. But um, one thing I'm really excited about now that I'm, I'm doing is I'm actually writing my fourth book. Oh, um, wow. And um, this is a, a really interesting topic. Um, so I decided to write about careers in the board game industry because most people think, you know, when, when, they, when they start thinking about, you know, doing something in the industry, it's like, I want to design a game, right? Because that's like the most exciting, creative kind of thing, right? So most people kind of go that route. But, you know, we can't all be game designers. And, yeah. you know, this book was kind of inspired by a talk at uh, ProtoTO by Scott Geita from uh, Renegade Games. He talked about all these different careers in the industry. And I was like, that, that's so cool. Like, it's, there's some there I didn't even really know about or think about. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people that really benefit from that. So I reached out to him and he said, yeah, that'd be a cool idea. And um, so I've just been gathering information. I've, I've reached out to like at least 40 other people in all various different roles. And, and the book is all about how to use the skills that you have already to find jobs in the industry. And, you know, that might be yeah. a part-time job. It might be a freelance gig. It might be working full-time depending on what you want, but there's so many things from graphic design to artists to rule book editors. I know people who do rule book editing full time. Like there's that much work um, to like video production, Kickstarter, uh, marketing and sales is a huge area that a lot of creative types really struggle in because they have a game, but they don't know how to sell it. It's yeah. such a hard thing. Um, there's, there's so many different things like, you know, accounting for board games, um, 
you know, working in production, project management, there's so many different roles. So I really am going to go deep into all of those roles. And like, if, if you have these kind of skills, then it might apply really well in these areas and how to go about getting yourself known in the industry and, you know, volunteering or helping out to get your name in there and talking about other people's experience where they've done those kind of things. Like, uh, personally, like I had somebody reach out to me just with some advice on, um, uh, a page for the the course that I that I just launched recently, and and he just volunteered. He's just like, I made this like logo. I think this would look really cool. Like, if you want to use this, go ahead, kind of thing. And he had some <laughs> other advice. He's like, you mind my page? Make the page like like. He was, just did it for free. And yeah. I said, do you want to redevelop the page for me? Can I pay you for that? And and he's like, whoa, okay. I wasn't expecting an offer, um, but you know, he's like, I'd like to get more into like working in. He's a graphic designer by yeah. trade, but he works in travel and tourism, which is kind of dead right now. Okay. Um, so he's like, and I want to work in more of the industries that I, and doing things that I enjoy. So yeah. he took on that gig. He really liked it. He benefited me. Um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, he got paid as a result. Um, and you know, it all worked out and maybe, you know, that leads him to, you know, future gigs as well. So when is this, uh, when's this release? When's the release date? Um, I'm still working on the book right now, but okay. I'm aiming for April, 2021. Awesome. So it's coming out soon. It's not too far away. Hopefully. Yeah. If all goes well, crossing fingers. <laughs> all right. So once again, so if anybody wants to reach out to you on anything you're doing, your course, your uh, any of the seminars coming up, if they want to just get on the email list, which I'm on and I get little tips on a weekly basis from you, I always look forward to read those on a weekly basis uh, or even be part of the uh, the playtest groups. They can do that just by going to boardgamedesigncourse.com. Is it all kind of in one spot? Yep. Everything is all in one spot. You can find out about uh, the books, courses, uh, okay. join the email list, get the free guide, as I was mentioning, all there in one spot. Awesome. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. So if anybody uh, doesn't want to try to transcribe that, just go in the show notes and click on the link. You'll find it. Take you there. So Joe, thanks again for your time. I really do appreciate it. Always goes so fast. I learn so much every time we chat and I want to wish you all the best this coming year. You take care. Oh, thanks so much, James. Always great talking to you. All right. Cheers. Ciao. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.